What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Gaiganomics. Um, disclaimer for this episode. If you're a fan of this show, don't feel like you need to listen to every episode. This show is not for everyone. And this episode in particularly is not for everyone. This is not for... Let me just say that this has taken me years and a roller coaster of emotions and thinking to come up with the ideas I'm about to share. Um, so it's it's not for everyone. And uh, if you have a weak stomach or don't like some of the more philosophical, heavier things about life, then this is not for you. Um, and that's okay. But if you're choosing to stick around and listen, um, what I'm going to be discussing is death. And as morbid as that may seem, I think the importance of understanding uh, and discussing and thinking about death is that it, it uh, I guess, considering death in a philosophical sense allows the opportunity for a person to have a more appreciative perspective on life. And that's what um, I'm, I'm interested in is enjoying life. Uh, one thing, a philosophical thing that I've thought of that I don't always apply to my life is that there's never a reason to get upset about anything in the world. And I think you can do this if you just compare this circumstance or situation to much more worse things that could happen in life. And to take it to the logical extreme, you can see that your situation really may not be that bad or as frustrating um, as, as you know, uh, reactionally, like the reaction that could have... Uh, sparked your anger or frustration um but anyways um when it comes to death the way i look at it is they i i try to okay so this is what i've been thinking of i've been thinking of separating death into two categories product and byproduct and the product is obviously um you know in a process a chain of events leads to a death but but I, I think of it more as an individual's own chain of events um, whereas the byproduct resulting in death is when you have other people um, whether uh, intentionally or unintentionally create a chain of events that results in some death of people so people dying and the examples we can use for this byproduct of death is you know uh, murder um, war um, even accidents uh, think about car accidents um, so these types of death that are a result of other people's actions I consider to be a, the a byproduct process of of uh, death and with the product of death I think of this as like the natural um, you know 
someone dying of old age, someone dying of, of, um, let's say maybe, uh, direct. So, so this would include suicide. Uh, you can think of, uh, seppuku, I think I'm pronouncing that right, where that was the, the Japanese tradition of restoring honor to someone's family, I believe, where they would, um, I think it literally translate to belly cutting, where they would stab themselves in the stomach, and this was a ritual, it was a suicidal ritual, um, but it was done by oneself to oneself, so this is a product of of death it it came by it came by one's own hands and actions so it, it in this way i would define it as a product and and not a byproduct of other people's actions um so i guess the question is um why why not why necessarily but what is, what is so important about discussing death that that uh that that this is why i'm doing it right now well um you know to relate it to economics and philosophy i this is this is part of the reason why i'm an anarchist per se is uh the way i look at voting you know if you vote for a president or someone who bombs another country and murders uh, someone else, then that's that's there's blood on on that specific politician's hands. But indirectly, you know, the people around him, the cabinet. Think of like a Stalin when he would murder um, his own uh, people living in the Soviet Union. He would have his um, staff members also sign the documents that uh, were the orders for mass executions. So this way, they would all be guilty um, by association. Uh, so they couldn't, you know, pin Stalin as the main dude who's responsible for all these murders. No, 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 it was a group thing, the leaders of, of the Soviet Union. And, um, and so this is why, you know, uh, murder at the individual level, um, think of like... Uh, a thief, thievery gone wrong situation where it results in a murder. This, you know, obviously, um, was a, uh, it was, as a, it was an attack on someone else resulting in someone dying. Um, and then, you know, just think of war, like that's the intention of war is to murder other people. And so you get into this interesting paradox where you say, oh, we need the, the state to protect us from war but you also need a state to go to war so i mean it's 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 uh you know this is um like what if we didn't have states then war couldn't occur at the level that it does i mean there's a quote by some economist or, or someone who says war is the lifeblood to the state uh in order for them to have a justified existence they need war, and this is why you have, you know, our current United States government always making up these wars. We need to go to Vietnam and have a war there. We need to go to the Middle East for uh, inserting democracy and and uh, 
you start a war there that we're still in. You have a war on a virus, um, X, Y, and Z. And um, I don't like war. I mean, I think that it's 2021. Bombs are not uh, cool. They're kind of, you know, more insulting than any microaggression you can think of. Um, so <clears throat> now going to the to to into the um, product side of death, uh, Mises considered um, death as resignation, and he considered suicide as radical resignation. And this concept of suicide is very, very interesting because um, there's this book called Promise Me You'll Shoot Yourself, and it's about how after World War II in Germany, in East Germany, specifically in this town uh, called Demmin, um, which was like very, very East Germany. Um, the people living in this town of Demmin and the, the surrounding towns in, in East Germany were aware of the Soviet army invading from Poland into Germany. And what they were hearing was awful stories. Um, they, they knew for a fact that the, the Soviets would come in, they would just burn towns to the ground, you know, murder people, rape people. Um, they heard stories that the Soviets were taking the Germans, throwing them in, in like human sized grinders. Uh, so this was awful thing. And what, what happened in Demin was a epidemic. It was a mass suicide, um, situation because, you know, if you just look at the, the German history, they, they started, you know, with the Bismarcks, um, they were the leading country. Uh, in the 19th century and then going into the early 20th century um, in the Weimar Republic they were just you know leaders in in many different fields you know music uh, arts thinking philosophy um, so many different aspects they were the top country and then they have this hyperinflation after World War one they they got humiliated in World War one they had to you know deal with the Treaty of Versailles they they were humiliated. Um, Hitler came along and gave these people hope. He was a myth to them. You know, he was poor. He was in the arm in the army. He was one of them. Uh, he was praised, and he also was able, you know, through his government system to to create uh, a lot of employment for people. And people were unemployed previously, but um, in the 1920s into the 1930s. And he really brought this nationalist pride and gave, you know, obviously groups of people for the Germans to point their fingers and be angry at. But um, he was regarded as a myth. He was he was so highly revered by the German people that they, you know, they, they considered the 1930s up until 1938 the happiest years of their life. And for Germany and it's it's praise Hitler. I mean, this dude was the pope to these people and uh then he he got them into some wars and throughout the world throughout world war ii a lot of germans thought that victory was inevitable they did not even consider losing how could we're germany we're the national socialists we are you know elite um Losing is not an option. So when Germany lost the war, they conceded, you know, Hitler committed suicide. People lost their shit. 
uh, in Demon, and uh, there was a, it was considered an epidemic, um, and you know the the suicides that the these German people would do was uh, there was a lot of gas in at that time, so it was a Cyclone B. So they would get these cyanide tablets, and um, that was from doctors. Doctors were just handing this out. Um, if they didn't have that, they they would use a gun. Um, if they didn't have a gun, they would hang themselves. If they couldn't hang themselves, they would drown themselves. There was many rivers in East Germany, and um, I mean, it's you. It wasn't what we think it is. It was family suicides. It was, you know, so many stories of mothers taking care of you know a couple children, hearing that the Soviets are invading. And they had to drown their own children in rivers. And then they would drown themselves. And some mothers who didn't have the strength to drown themselves lived their the rest of their life with the shame that they killed their, their own children. And um, it was really uh, some, it's some dark shit. I mean, the title of the book comes from a letter written by one of the German officers to his daughter saying, you know, if the Soviets come, promise me you'll shoot yourself. And it's, it's pretty remarkable what happened. Um, but, uh, this concept of suicide is such an interesting concept because, um, it, well, before that, I want to do, uh, have a little digression. Uh, I practice jujitsu and in jujitsu, it's the art the martial art of getting someone to submit to you. So this isn't through, um, you know, calling someone a mean name or submitting them in a game of chess as in checkmate per se. And it's not uh, punching someone. There's no striking. It's grappling. But the submissions come through joint locks and strangles. And the strangles are very philosophically interesting because... If you put someone in a cinched up tight triangle choke, this is where, you know, uh, being the person being strangled has their arm next to their head and it's, it's, it's in the opponent's, the opponent is making essentially a triangle shape with their legs. So it's a figure four looking thing. And, um, when you lock up a triangle and execute it, the hamstring and calf is, uh, connected to the person's neck and on your neck on the sides there's two arteries those are called the carotid arteries those send the majority of the blood from the body to the brain and when that blood is that flow of blood is disconnected or um if it's um you know not necessarily disconnected but if it's reduced by pressure uh, that comes from a choke, it takes not too long to feel lightheaded. It takes not too long. Um, I mean, this it, like a rear naked choke uh, can take up to 20 seconds to put someone, you know, out unconscious. With the with a tight triangle choke, it can take up like a couple seconds. It can take two, three, up to, you know, five seconds. It's very quick because it's very tight. You're using, you know, someone someone's legs to, to wrap around someone's neck essentially, and cut off that blood flow. So, 
um, practicing jujitsu, you can feel like, oh, when you get into a tight triangle choke, that you need to tap. Tapping is signaling to your partner or your opponent that, hey, I'm giving up. I am submitting to you. I can I cannot do anything defensively to help this. Um, and so, you know, if you feel those those uh, those moments where you're losing that blood to your brain, you can tap. Um, now, some people don't tap, and if you don't tap and that choke continues, you will be put uh, it, put to sleep, which is uh, meaning that the blood is not getting to your brain. Your brain is, is, is shutting off. Now, it takes about two to three minutes for a choke to be... Um, you know, continued where where there's no blood going to your brain in order for that person to die. So essentially, in jujitsu, you're feeling the the you know you're playing with your own morality in a sense that you are feeling how vulnerable uh, we are as humans to death and dying. And um, I think I think what's what's it just uh. Um, again, important is, is to know that, you know, we have to consider death, um, philosophically because it's inevitable. It's coming to each person. And if you ever seen Kung Fu Panda, uh, when, uh, Master Ugwe, um, he's like this, the Kung Fu master and, uh, he's talking to, uh, Master Shifu and, and, uh, Master Uwe, he's he says my time has come, and he disappears off a cliff, and burst into like a bunch of flowers, and it's it's sad, but he passed away essentially. But he was at peace with it, and I think this ability to pass away in peace um, is something very valuable, and it's recognizing the the time, um, not the days necessarily, but but just that at any moment you can be a byproduct uh, in certain situations, and you know at, at I mean byproduct is still part of the product of death. So at some point, you know that's the only thing inevitable for everyone's future is is death. And I don't mean to say this to be you know um, uh, a a, a a pessimist or a cynic or anything of this sort but just to to embrace it i guess um to maybe help it be less scary and i i don't want to get into the metaphysics of after death but just accepting the fact that uh death is inevitable um i i find this very interesting and i i don't want it to be you know as morbid as we make it um uh, just um, something to be thought of and perspectivized on. And I will leave with the quote from the Romanian writer Emil Sioran that um, without the idea of suicide, I would have surely killed myself. Thank you. Be safe. Be good. Peace.